Awesome. Well, thank you for having me, Lauren. Uh, I really admire what you're doing to expand the Western world and the Western way of lifestyle to other people. Uh, my name is Kate Oponsky-Luca, uh, recently married in August, so the Luca part's a little bit easier. I own and operate Corral West Horse Adventures in Goodyear, Arizona. We also own and operate Lucky Break Horse Rescue, which is our 501c3. So we rescue at-risk clients, horses, donkeys, uh, rehab them, train them, either adopt them out or use them for our trail ride facility. Uh, I also educate folks through a political nonprofit on how to be better activists. So I do a lot of social media training, op-ed writing, things like that for activists that sort of align with our Western lifestyle. Um, and then I've sort of gotten into dabbling into influencing I'm influencing folks to take a chance on a rescue animal. That means a lot to me. Um, we've been able to build a lot of great brand relationships in the Western world uh, because they love our mission. And I'm just grateful to be a spokesperson for what we're doing because the horses can't speak for themselves. So appreciate the opportunity. That's wonderful. And where can people locate you on social media? Sure. So my handle is at cowgirl.kate, C-A-I-T. It's kind of a goofy spelling. And then Corral West Horse Adventures at Corral West Adventure is our business post. So Kate, can you tell me when did you get started in this, in this Western life? Sure. Um, well, I grew up in Iowa, uh, which is just good Midwest values surrounded by corn produ corn producers, pork producers. I worked for Governor Branstead, uh, went on a few trade missions, ag trade missions to China, and saw how important the ag industry is not only to the United States, but to the world. Um, and that we we truly feed in the United States, we, we feed the world. And I think it's so important now that we're having these conversations even though I'm not a farmer, I'm just a horsewoman at this point. Um, but I really think the Western ranching and ag way of life is so important to preserve, not only for ourselves and for the next generation, but also for the world. Um, so growing up in Iowa, detasseling corn, uh, spending time with hog farmers, pork producers, beef producers, uh, just really gave me a, a respect for that. I've been riding horses since I was a little girl, but didn't grow up with horses. My parents worked their tails off to provide lessons, leasing, boarding, all of that, because we didn't have a horse at our house, uh, taking me to Western pleasure shows, things like that. Um, I've just always been drawn to horses, even though I wasn't born into that world. And so I'm really protective of this Western way of life because I want other young women and girls down the road to be able to feel welcome as well. Um, and sometimes it's not the most welcoming environment. So I think it's a double-edged sword. We want to preserve it, but we also want to be restrictive on who we bring into it. So I really appreciate being able to have those conversations as not only a small business owner, but also a Western woman who's kind of first generation. And then moving to Arizona, I've just always been drawn to the West, uh, the ruggedness of it, you know, the ability for a woman to be anything she wants to be, even dating back to the 19th century. I just have always been drawn West. Uh, I love Arizona, but would love to end up in Western South Dakota, Montana, Idaho. That's probably the next step for us. Yes, and so was your husband also in this Western life, or did you just tag him along with it? No, so actually when we met, he was always an outdoorsman, hunter, hunter fisherman, um, amazing archery hunter. Um, that lucky bastard has been drawn like six times for elk, um, and ever since I moved to Arizona, I have yet to be drawn for any hunts. Um, so he had, I would say, synergistic interests but had never really been on a horse before. And he's very process oriented, very detail oriented. And so he has taken to it like 
of fish in water. Um, he's so good with working with our problem horses because of the way his brain works. Yeah. Um, I'm scatterbrained all over the place and he's a little more systemic. So he has been wonderful in working with problem horses from the ground up. Wow. So how many, so tell me, yeah, let's let, can we, you've got a bazillion things going on. So you've got your horse rescue, you have a Western fashion influence that you've recently gotten into. Is that correct? And then you also have your Shop the West online boutique. Am I missing anything? No, I think I think that's it. And like I said, I don't feel like I do any of them particularly well, but just try to keep my, my head above water. Um, we've rescued over 300 horses in five years. Personally, we've probably helped fundraise and connect folks upwards of 500 horses. Um, and then Shop of the West actually supports our 501c3 fund. So every purchase from the Of the West shop goes directly into our, our rescue fund. Exactly. So, right, wow, you have a lot going on and that is so beautiful that you have found a passion that you're able to now extend out to other people. Um, on, a, on a personal side note is my husband and I would love to be able to you know, learn more about like the horse the horse world, that's one section that is daunting to me. So it's interesting that you had just said, you know, we want to preserve it. We want to include everybody. But then, um, you know, just having the conversation of how do people get started? That's what I would love to kind of dabble more into of like finding the right horse or how to get started, finding the right trainer to be able to say, Lauren, get on the horse and this is what you do. <laughs> um, so that's the personal side of things. So I'll have to pick your brain on, on that side of things. So I would love to know more about your horse re- your horse rescue, so then that way other people can, like you said, support and um, understand what you do, why it's important. So how did you get started into horse rescue? There's got to be some story that has a calling for you. Uh, well, I, I originally, I grew up, my mom was always bringing home stray animals. She's got a heart you know, big than most people. So I guess it's just kind of ingrained in who I am. I've always had rescue dogs prior to getting into horse rescue. I think I'd fostered somewhere between 50 and 60 hunting dogs, bird dogs. We have German short hairs. Um, and then saw my first kill pen horse. Someone tagged me in an Appaloosa down in South Carolina. And I had no idea that kill pens existed. You know, as I mentioned, I was, I did not grow up in a horse family. So horses were always this sacred, intangible thing that I was always working toward owning. And so I saw this Appaloosa and I thought, man, for $800, I can save this horse and bring him home and rehabilitate him. So at first I thought it was a scam because who would who would slaughter horses for human consumption? Um, there's a lot of false narratives out there that when horses get slaughtered, it's for glue or for pet food, but it's actually for human consumption um, in both Canada and Mexico. So across the Northern and Southern borders. Um, so I brought Zane home. He looked just like Dan, my childhood horse that I had won a lot of Western competitions in as a child. So he just really spoke to me and he has never disappointed me. He's my best kid horse today. We've spent, I think, seven years together now. And he's really paved the way and shown that great horses end up in crappy situations and it's not their fault. Um, so built a whole business around him. He was in my original logo, which course has changed over the last five years um, but he's kind of my OG Zane uh, original rescue horse that's beautiful I'm so glad so you that means that you must have driven to be able to go pick up Zane across country he actually got delivered um, so I've 
I try to not go to the kill pens anymore just yeah. because when I get to certain horses, it's hard for me to be there in person and turn other horses away. So it's a lot easier for me to hire a third party to do it. That way I'm, I'm only, I'm not biting off more than I can chew. Um, you know, my horse end up getting rehabbed. They get adopted out so that we can rescue more horses or they work so that our retired or disabled horses don't have to. Um, so we have a pretty great system now in, in the six years that we've been doing this. So from Zane, um, it's kind of the reverse from Z to A to now, um, we've got it down where we know what we're looking for. We know we can rescue a couple young horses to adopt out once they've been trained to support some of the senior horses that deserve retirement. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. And, and so you are using your facility to rehabilitate. So what kind of goes into rehabilitating an, a horse? Sure. So a lot of what a lot of folks prefer or try to quarantine the horse for at least 30 days, whether they're coming from the auction where the kill buyer frequents. So obviously the, the best route is to outbid the kill buyer at the auction. Um, you're going to get the horse for less money that you can then put the, the rest of the money toward transport, vetting, quarantine, all of that. But if you do buy a horse from the kill pen or the uh, auction house, I usually quarantine for about 30 days just to make sure that they're not transmitting strangles or, or any other infectious disease on the trailer and to our horses that are back here. Um, so we quarantine for about 30 days. And if anyone has questions, uh, you can always DM me. I've got great places that I would recommend for hauling, quarantine, all of that. Um, and then we transport them here. First things first, we get their teeth and their feet done. Um, a happy horse needs good feet and good teeth. Uh, and a lot of times they won't put weight on, even if you worm them, do all that jazz until their teeth are done. Um, most of them have been neglected to some extent, even if they're not super skinny. That's something that a lot of folks in the current economic climate can't afford to maintain. So we get their teeth, feet done. Um, and then once they've settled in, we do riding temperament assessment. Um, and sometimes we pull great horses that end up being guest horses right away. Other times they need a little more work and other times we rescue completely unhandled or just holder broke horses. Um, so it's always kind of a, a mixed mix bag. I try to rescue a couple been there, done that and a couple of unhandled babies that we can work with simultaneously. So, yes. Wow. And so is it all um, at your rescue? Is it um, all, all of this rescuing and rehabilitation all done by you personally? No, so we actually have a really great team. Um, I've got two older Wranglers who are both farriers, old school cowboys, um, wonderful. You know, I, I like to surround myself with people that know a hell of a lot more than I do. I, I, I want to be the weak link. Um, so Bill and Jed are both farriers. Um, they teach us a lot about horse training. Uh, everyone has different approaches and different methods. And what works for one horse won't work for another horse. Um, so it's kind of like finding the right pair of shoes that fit. Um, I also have a few female friends who are amazing, gentle horse trainers that I learn a lot from as well. Um, but we try to do as much of it ourselves as we can. We try to keep it in-house. Um, and then every summer in May to about mid-October, the horses get to go to pasture in Wyoming and just be horses. Uh, which I think is really important for them mentally, spiritually. Um, you know, we don't ask them to work all year round. And it really makes for a great, sane-minded horse, um, and I stand behind that. You know, they need, to, they need to be horses, too. We ask them to work, but they also need to just be horses without a care in the world. Wow, that's exciting. And so when you're saying the word work, can you explain to our listeners what that, what that would look like for a day for, on their on-season? 
Sure, sure. So we operate usually from late October. We don't really start getting busy until Thanksgiving here in Phoenix. Um, but our horses do hour, hour and a half trail rides at a walk. Most of our guests are beginners. So for me, that's a true testament to the quality of horses that end up in the slaughterhouse pipeline. You know, I'm able to put a six-year-old who's never ridden before or a grandma that's 84 with delicate bones on these horses. Uh, you know, I stand behind them 100%. I leased horses my first couple seasons, and I realized that the horses we were saving and rehabilitating were actually better behaved than the horses that I was paying to lease from other operations in the winter. Um, so our horses have it pretty easy. Hour, hour and a half sunset rides during the week. We're a little busier on the weekends. We start late morning, um, but we don't ask them to do a whole lot. You know, they're not doing 12 mile pack trips with 200 pounds on their back. It's, it's pretty much a tourist destination and they get to be snowbirds. <laughs> wow. What a life. That sounds exciting for these little guys. That's pretty cool. And so can you tell, so you've told me about um, you know, how, why you, why you do it, how you got into it. So now tell me what your favorite part is, because this is a lot of work that you're putting in and you have a lot of heart into it. I'm going to be honest. I, I love owning a business from the perspective that it's allowed me to rescue horses. But my, my true passion is when we have therapy lessons come out, um, when the sunshine angel foster home come out for their Christmas party. For me, the real beauty is helping the horses to help people. And so ultimately, I would like to move away from business ownership. I, I just don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy the hoops we have to jump through. COVID was a real challenge for the last two and a half years. You know, we, we had a whole year where we had hardly any customers because people were afraid to come out. So I'm looking forward to, because I have a job, job that I love, I'm looking forward to moving from the business owner piece to 100% rescue rehabilitation and then using the horses, helping the horses to help people. That's the next piece for us because I think horses are amazing healers. I think that's kind of an untapped avenue that we haven't gone quite yet because we've been so busy with the business side of things. So that's kind of my two, three-year projection. We'd like to close up shop, not do the trail rides anymore, and just rescue rehab horses and, and get them to wonderful homes where they can help people further. And so how can our listeners um, support you in that avenue? Sure. So um, like you mentioned, the Shop of the West, uh, the link is in my bio. Any purchase that you make there uh, is also a donation. So I like going that route because it's not just begging folks for donations. They're getting something in return for their generosity. Um, also, we, we do have just a donate button there, but I would, I would prefer for you guys to, you know, shop, shop and support some of our merch, get the word out there. That way it's not just a don donation, it's also telling more people about us. Um, come out and ride if you're in Phoenix for this winter. We would love to come see you at Corral West Horse Adventures. And then on our stories once a week, we do a Saved on Sunday where we highlight three horses and we always need homes to step up because I'm completely maxed out in space, uh, resources, all of that, project horses. So if we have good homes that are approved through our rescue, we can help you fundraise and get a horse home to you. Um, so that's actually the, the hardest part because I can't take them all. Uh, so getting them into good homes or adopting from us some of our horses that are rehabbed, that's another great way to help. Your adoption fee goes directly into rescuing another horse. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of back-end work, like you said, the business side of things that are needed in order to actually do the action of putting a good horse into a new hand. And I'm, I'm very grateful that the, that the business side of things, that our LLC, Corral West Adventures, carries the brunt of a lot of 
responsibility to rescue. You know, I've seen a lot of really good people go down the rescue road, but it's hard to rely on donations, especially right now. You know, people are uh, penny pinching. They're concerned about what the future looks like. So getting donations just at face value is getting more and more challenging. So I appreciate that our business has afforded us the insurance, employees, hay, all of the business expenses that kind of funnel into not taking from the rescue funds. Um, so I would just caution, you know, we need more warriors, we need more people, but uh, if you have any questions, I, I kind of learned all this the hard way over the last six years, so I'm always happy to share my knowledge so that people aren't starting from scratch. That's great, too. Is there, um, I mean, have you ever thought about putting together, um, add more to your list, putting together like a um, a document, an ebook, something like that, so then that way you can brain dump all the things that you've been learning? I need to do that. That's actually on my 2022 goals as well. So on top of being better with the rescue specific social media, that's that's kind of goes hand in hand with that um, rolling out maybe a website that is rescue specific with frequently asked questions. Yeah. Um, everything from how do I choose the right horse to what what is the next step after I've rescued it? Because it is really intimidating yeah. for your fr- yeah, and you don't want to do it wrong. Um, you know, once you kind of get a horse or I mean, any animal, it's you know, we've taken on quite a few animals in the last couple of years and they become a part of your farm. They become part of your ranch and, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to do them wrong, but you also don't want to put yourself in a situation that you, you, you realize you're over, over your head and you have nobody to turn to for help. So that's important. So I I like that. And like you said, the internet is vast, but maybe if you can put together some information that would be frequently asked questions, it would help a lot of us. I love that. I'm putting that on my to-do list. That's good. It's been rattling around in my brain for a while and I just need to sit down and do it. Uh, I, I travel for my job job. And so that's, that's going to be one of my plain tasks. Yes. When I, no Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, hey, maybe you could just do it, write it all on your notes, and then transfer it over when you are when you do have some extra Wi-Fi. Yep. And actually, Morgan, the milkmaid, uh, my good friend from Montana, you should connect with her too. She's amazing. Um, it was her birthday yesterday, but she's always on me about you got to get a website, you got to get a better website, you need to do those frequently asked questions. I'm like, can I just pay you to do it? Because <laughs> I'm like visionary person and it's hard for me sometimes to sit down and do the stuff that's more minute yes definitely i and i agree with that too is it's i i feel like a lot of times i live so much in my brain and then i'm like i know all of these things that need to get done and i i just haven't seen other people do it or i don't know how to replicate it in my own way (laughs) so i kind of like pause and, and that's why I think, you know, I love being a female small business owner, but the day-to-day does take away from the big picture things because the phone starts ringing, the emails start rolling in, and all of those long-term things kind of get pushed to the wayside. So that's why I would love to transition to just being a rescue over the year so that I can actually focus on it and feel like my brain is a little more organized and there's less tabs open. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so we, as you were talking about just how you are going to utilize your your business into allowing it to support your rescue or your passion you know however you want to say it for our listeners that they might be able to relate to that too if they don't have their own rescue I think that's more of what my husband and I always talk about is that this this country life this western this farming is no longer 
you can just do the one task and it will carry you. And so my husband and I have been talking so frequently about how we have to switch it up and, and, uh, allow other people to see that there's so much backend type of things that allow you to live the life. So a lot of these people that I'm talking to on podcasts happen to have two other jobs outside of just the farming and ranching that they share on social media, but it makes it look like, Oh, Hey, I'm just living this cowgirl life all the time. And that's not a hundred percent true. Uh, a thousand percent. And I think that's the double-edged sword of social media. I think it's wonderful and has brought a ton of awareness to the Western uh, world. You know, like Natalie Kovarik has, ch- is changing the narrative single-handedly, which I think is so important, but you're absolutely right. And I'm guilty of it too. A lot of times we don't put the nitty gritty in our social media because a brand has made a donation to take these pretty pictures to support the rescue. And so that's another one of my goals for 2022 is to try to do a better job of saying like, hey, I'm traveling for my job job because it pays for my health insurance so that if I get bucked off this horse at the rescue, I'm covered. You know, I I need to do a better job of showing the comprehensive picture and all the doubling that all of us have to do to make ends meet. Because it is fun. I wouldn't change this life for anything, but there is a lot more in it on the back end than I even probably show people. So is- I love, and and I think the one the one thing that's really great about this Western country lifestyle is the the community. Um, you know, especially other women. It's really inclusive. Everyone encourages everyone. Everyone, you know, I'm constantly pushed. Like I said, Morgan is always on me about, hey, do this. Celeste of the West has been a great business partner for me. So I love being surrounded by other women who not only want to help, but also want to push and challenge in a productive way because we all benefit. A rising tide lifts lifts all ships. Mm -hmm. So the more all of us can do to be more inclusive, to support the lifestyle, to expand the lifestyle, we're all going to be better off for it. And so is the next generation. Exactly. And so what would you want people to know about this lifestyle or about what you do? Um, What would you like people to take away? Well, there will always be naysayers, pun intended, N-E-I-G-H. And so if you have a dream, whatever your passion, whatever your purpose is, make sure you're living a life and moving toward a goal that, you know, younger you would be proud of. I know little six-year-old Caitlin riding that huge Appaloosa would be proud of where I am. And so that's something that motivates me every day. Having a partner who's completely supportive is also important. You know, I think as empowered women, we want to think we can do it all ourselves. And sure, we damn well can, but sometimes it's nice to have someone who can lift that 100-pound hay bale a little bit easier for you to make the day a little bit shorter. Um, you know, so I, I'm assuming most of your listenership is is female. Um, don't be afraid to pursue your dream. doesn't have to be rescue horses, but whatever it is, go for it, whether it's wild rags, art, any of those things. Um, you know, you're making the world a better and more colorful place and more inclusive for everyone. Um, and for the people who are new to this world, don't be afraid to ask questions. It's really welcoming. For every jerk that doesn't want you there, there's 10 more people that do. And there's more of us, I think, that are new to it than we realize too. Um, you know, I, I still feel silly calling myself Cowgirl Kate because I'm the first generation. Actually, my friends started calling me that as a joke and the alliteration worked pretty well. Um, but, 
you know, don't feel silly. Don't feel stupid. Uh, there's a space for all of us at the table. That I think we all struggle with imposter syndrome in some way, shape, or form. And I think that's because it goes with the territory. Everyone I know in this Western space is extremely humble and kind and welcoming. And so I think with that humility comes the propensity to, to have that imposter syndrome. Like, I can't wear that hat. I'm not that person. I can't, you know, I did a long stint of hunter jumper English writing. And so I can't rope to save my life. Um, you know, so I always feel a little like, oh, I'm not a cowgirl if I'm not a good roper. Um, but I, I think we just have to get, as women, we have to get out of our own way, get out of our own head and realize that we're being harder on ourselves than other people are. Sure, you've got the occasional Karen that's going to troll you on social media, but that's what the block and delete button is for. You don't need that in your life. Um, and again, for every one of those people, there's 50 other people who are excited about what you're doing. That's very true. And social media has been um, a very big part of your of your brand. Is that correct? Yeah. So when I first started this, the stigma was, especially in the horse world, those horses are lame. They're they're crazy. Uh, they're there for a reason. They did something to deserve that. And so even though it's frustrating and it's still legal to export broke to ride American horses abroad to Mexico and Canada, I look back and see how far we've come. You know, when I started this, I felt like I was the crazy person on the island, you know, holding Wilson the volleyball. And now it's it's a village with a lot of really amazing people, adopters, donors, advocates. Um, you know, we really need policy change more than anything. But until then, we'll keep saving one horse at a time because it does matter to them. Very well said. Thank you so much, Kate. Well, is there any last words that you would like us to part with? No, I'm just so grateful that we got to connect. I appreciate the platform to share our story. I love what you're doing, what you stand for. I appreciate you giving all of us Western women a voice. I think it's so important. Well, thank you so much. And one more time, where can people follow you? Sure. My handle is at cowgirl.kate, C-A-I-T. Uh, and then our business account is at Corral West Horse Adventures. So two R's in Corral, not Coral. Um, and then our website is phoenixhorserides.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lauren. Have a great week.